Hello there. Presented by the Atlas Strength Shop. This is the Atlas Nerds in Iron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Cameron from the Atlas Nerds and Iron Podcast, and today we have Coach Garrett Botsy Bailey on the podcast. Stay tuned for our sponsors and hope you enjoy the show. First and foremost, we have StrikeForceEnergy.com. Strikeforce Energy is a veteran-owned energy supplement company. They come in these little pouches similar to Crystal Light pouches that you can put in whatever you are drinking to give yourself a nice little hit of caffeine. I personally love taking these in the afternoon right before I train because I'm not a big fan of beta alanine and they give me just enough energy to get through my workout without leaving me with a big crash afterwards. They come in four awesome flavors, original, which tastes a lot like Red Bull, grape, orange, and lemon. Use promo code ATLASSTRENGTH at checkout and you're going to save 20% on your next order. Next up, we have impactmouthguards.com. Use promo code ATLASSTRENGTH at checkout at impactmouthguards.com and you're going to get you a dentist office quality product without the dentist office quality price. What they're going to do is they're going to send you a custom mold. You're going to bite down on it, send it back to them, and in a couple of weeks, you're going to have a mouth guard that fits you and only you, give you something really good to bite down on during those max effort events. They also have awesome athletic tapes, some really cool apparel, and a lot of other products as well. So again, use promo code ATLASSTRENGTH at checkout. Save 10% at impactmouthguards.com. Next up, we have our newest sponsor, Sticks and Stone. Sticks and Stone got their start during the pandemic whenever iron plates were going for $3, $4 a pound. And what they do is they make molds that will allow you to make weight plates out of concrete that will fit your Olympic-sized barbell. We actually discovered them on TikTok because they are now making custom Husafel stones that come in 210, 310, and 409 weights. And we just got a full set of them for Louisiana's Strongest Man next year. They're also going to be here at... The third annual Rougarou Classic, November 19th. So go ahead and place an order that will bring it down and you can get you a custom set of stones as well. And last but not least, we have the Atlas Strength Shop. That is us. That is who we are. We are the center for strength sports in the state of Louisiana with everything from strongman to powerlifting to general strength and conditioning. If you're in the Baton Rouge area, definitely come and see us. The best time to visit us is on Strongman Saturdays every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. If you're not in the Baton Rouge area and you still want to support us, then the best thing for you to do is to go to the website at atlasstrengthshop.com and check out our apparel line. If you use promo code ATLASNERDS10 at checkout, you're going to save 10% on that apparel line. Now let's get to the show. Good evening. Welcome to the Atlas Nerds and Iron Podcast. I am your host, Cameron Ray. We're here with our beautiful co-host, Mr. Matthew Cavalier, and the sultry Garrett Botsy Bailey. <laughs> How you doing today, Botsy? I'm doing well. How's everyone else doing out there? I think you're trying to sound extra salty. Yeah, it's but not, but, it's not but remember, Wait, is it salty or sultry? Sultry. I sultry. just I just don't know English. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just just remember um, because you and I are on the same channel. Mm-hmm. Like we we you you can't over sultrize me mm-hmm. because then nobody's gonna be able to hear what you say. Gotcha. Yeah, you got you got to keep a little bit of air in your air behind the lungs. Got L- it. Lungs behind the air. Lungs behind the air. I- it put putting bass in your voice. That's not what we're trying project to say. What yeah, project what you got project a little. Put it out there. Yeah. yeah. Nice and sweet. Yeah. 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 like that. Got All it. right. So now that we've ran everybody <laughs> off. Uh, <laughs> so, so happy new year, everybody. Happy new year. Uh, happy happy new year. Last year. Yep. And I'm really glad that we could all get together today. Yeah, it's been a while for me. Yeah, I mean Bodzi, I haven't seen you since November. I've been doing so much traveling and I did not like think about it before i started the traveling mm-hmm. and i added a lot to it because i had to move a competition over in between my two mm-hmm. weeks of of traveling slash vacation 
So it just took me out of everything. Yeah, and he changed the date again. Did he now? Yes. Yeah, for That's a Pelican good. State, right? Is it? I, I haven't looked at it. I yeah. really haven't. I, I don't remember the date off the top of my head, but I saw a couple of days ago he changed the date on it again. Would it, you don't know what it is, though, right now? It's like March 4th or something like that. The four, less, less than a month away. Some, from, no, it's not. No, not it's from like now. Three months from away. The date, from the date of our meet, it's a month away. Yes, it it's is less, less than, than a month, month away from yes. our meet. Yes. Um, which that's going to be one of the things that we talk about today. So we got a few things we want to talk about. Okay. We're going to talk about the, uh, we're going to talk about Capital City Classic. Yes. That we got going we got on February it. 11th because, mm-hmm. you know, we can't have the meet director on the podcast without talking about the meet he's directing. Uh, we are directing. It's co-meet. No, I'm co-meet director, yeah, but you, you know, it, it on, on paper because I haven't passed that test yet. You, you'll pass. <laughs> I need you'll to sit down and actually, dude. The you the you the need gra- to study for a week, then do it. Just because how you are with how you take tests, <laughs> I think it will help a lot more if you just study for a week, take like an hour a day, seven days, and then actually take you, the you, re- you realize I'm in this building 14 hours a day. Yeah, like working my ass off. I don't have time to sit and study for a <laughs> test. I, I mean, you, there's a reason why you didn't see me for a month. Yeah, <laughs> besides the vacation. But, yeah. but um, but yeah, like I, I just don't have time to sit and do that. No, I understand. I just why I don't read books anymore. Yeah, listen but, only. But the the questions on the USAPL referee test is the most obscure shit that will never come up. <laughs> you know, it's not stuff like hey. It's not like you would expect questions like, okay, these three situations happen. Which ones are red lights and which ones are white lights? Mm-hmm. It's not stuff like that. It's like uh, a lifter came in half a pound underweight on the third Tuesday of the winter solstice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. How, how, how many grams of urine does he have to pee to actually make weight? I don't think it gets that intensive, but I understand. It, it, it's pretty rough because I was asking you questions and you were shaking your head. Like you were sitting next to me answering questions with me, so we both failed. In my defense, <laughs> the time we took the test was like only three months after I came back into powerlifting, uh-huh. and I I I got to admit I was a little rusty on the rules. I am a national level referee, mm-hmm. however, I need to go over the rule book a little bit more because I know there's a few different changes that are in there, and those are the ones I was stumped on. What what's bothering me is that they don't give you a list of the questions you got wrong, so that you can't go back and study. I I have a feeling I know why they do that. I okay. mean, it's they don't want you to cheat. However, it's open book, so you kind of need to know. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Yeah, but um, I feel confident the next time we'll be able to pass it. Yeah, we'll make it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, sure we'll be happens. able to make it work. Because mm-hmm. another big part of the problem, last time I took it, mm-hmm. if you remember, it was me and you in the office when I started. Right. Then that trainer that we brought on, who we will not name, yeah. um, <laughs> she came in and started talking her head off. Then one yeah. of my clients came in and started talking her head off. I think she disappeared with my son that day, too. And yeah. I had to step out. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I, I remember that. I met her, and she like disappeared with him. I was like, uh-uh. So I went, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That was a weird day. It's very weird. But day. uh but I have a feeling if I could just sit in a dark room mm-hmm. and te- and do it again, I'd probably be good. Yeah, you you should be just fine. You'd make and it. and actually have like two laptops up instead of trying to do control F on my phone. Paper might work better for you than a laptop though. No. If you no, you, you sure. The the reason why is mm-hmm. control F. Oh, okay, because you're going to find – okay. Yes. That makes sense. Like, rather sense. than having to sift through everything. I forget about Control-F. That's why I think paper is better, but I forget if you do Control-F, it makes it a lot easier. Yep. How long is the test again? Is it is it three hours? It was 100 questions. Three hours and 100 questions. Okay. Okay. Or maybe two hours. Or maybe yeah. 90 minutes. 
I hope not. Something like that. It's it's at least a ninety minutes. But I think I remember when I first took it, it was three hours. I know when I took the national test, it's three hours. Mm-hmm. I got to figure. I need to do my own studying re, uh, too because I'm supposed to be going for the IPF test soon, like before before high school national. Is, is that even still a thing? Yes, because I know USA Pyro thing is starting a international division mm-hmm. or association, and also I think I can I can move my way into doing both. IPF and still do USA Pyro thing if I'm at a if I'm at a referee stance because um, I'm ne- I'm neutral at that point and the the rules are the same pretty much mm-hmm. so it's no need. To, I mean they were the well the, the bench press rules have the, changed the dramatically. Bench press since rules have changed. I understand why the bench press rules change though, and a lot of people uh, misconstrued the new bench press rule change. I don't know why I'm like defending. I'm not even a part of them anymore, but. I, I get, I'm a, I'm an exact type of person. So the bench rule change was specifically for people that do that two centimeter bench. And it's like, I've literally seen someone flex their wrist and they finish their bench. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were trying to get rid of. They weren't trying to get rid of arches. I heard a lot of people say you can't arch anymore. It's like, no, you can't arch to a ridiculous amount that you are no longer moving your arms and you're just moving your wrists, which I understand because it's unfair for someone that's the same size that's lifting the weight and they have five, six times the distance at minimum than someone else so they did the elbow rule they didn't take out uh the arching they said okay your elbows have to go below your shoulders understandable that means you actually did some motion it's the same thing of like as like getting depth on the squat okay if your hips don't go below the top of the knee then you didn't hit depth you didn't activate your uh hamstrings to come out of the hole you didn't use your whole leg which i understand that so i think they're just trying to Get rid of some of the unfairness when it comes to these ridiculous ridiculous benches that are mainly because of range of motion advantage, not because of actual strength. So I've, I've got some devil's advocate. Okay. My, my first one isn't really devil's advocate. My, okay. my first one's a genuine concern, mm-hmm. and I know we've, we've talked about this on the podcast. This is old news at this point. We're mm-hmm. kind of rehashing stuff. Mm-hmm. What does this mean for super heavies with T-Rex arms? Mm-hmm. Who can have their who can have their lumbar spine flat on the back and their knees up, mm-hmm. and they're still on, and they're still not breaking that plane because they're just so damn big with little T Rex arms. So what does that mean for them? And what does this mean for you know bustier women who have the same issue? Well, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen so many busty women that uh, have the T Rex arms at the same time. I do know there's a few of them. Mm-hmm. But I think at that point it's it, it becomes a discretion of the judge because yeah. there are there are some rules where it's like okay this lifter has this issue that is a physical uh dis- the physical disadvantage or just a physical abnormality for them specifically but it's not a uh, it's not something they're using to intentionally put themselves at an advantage compared to everyone else they do have advantage of a range of motion yes. But they have the disadvantage of just what generally what's in the way, stuff like that. Because it's you, you have like you're calculated a higher weight class, so now your Wilkes goes down because you're bigger. So you have that disadvantage uh, when it comes to the weight as well. Um, but like the the people that are, it's really the really that rule is geared toward those those people that just arch to the ridiculous amount where they're not mm-hmm. benching. So I think that's a. That I'm I'm trying to give them the benefit yeah. of the doubt on that one. Yeah, it's it was definitely like I definitely think that their minds were in the right place. Mm-hmm. I just think execution mm-hmm. might be a little bit 
Like I don't think we've seen the uh, the last iteration of this type of rule. Oh no, definitely not. There's there's, there's an NGB meeting every single year. Um, I remember I made a point of going to NGB meetings before I even started doing uh, lifting at Open Nationals. I started going to NGB meetings three years before I even started doing Open Nationals because I wanted to learn the rules. I wanted to see how the rules were changed. I wanted to become a part of that. And started doing, I started doing proxies, and mm-hmm. I learned that. And it, I could see the arguments happening with a lot of these things. And so um, you can see that it's not just, well, people just arbitrarily putting this rule out just to be uh, petty or what have you. It's really, you know, it's a concern for – uh, it's a concern for fairness. Mm-hmm. And so, like, again, if I was a referee and I'm watching and I know it's a, a bigger person and they're legitimately going all the way down, they're not, it's not a huge arch they have in their back, they're touching and they come up. And usually, what, it, what happens with the bigger people, they sink a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And what you have to watch for with them more is not necessarily their elbow movement, it's more, or elbow death at depth. Uh, it's more of if they sink after you give them a press command, mm-hmm. which is a which is a different story altogether. However, when uh, when I see that they're actually making a legitimate effort to do what they need to be doing, and there's nothing but their just their physical size stopping them, I'm giving them that white light. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason for me not to give them that white light because it's how I interpret the rule. Okay, some of some of the there's some there's some small minute wiggle room that you have when you're a referee that lets you say, okay, this is how I feel this rule should be interpreted because this it's it's to the advantage of the lifter because it's fair, not because I think, you know, I just want to give this lifter, I like this lifter. No, I think it's fair because this is how I uh this is how I see this rule applies to this lifter. I can't think of it right I can't think of a good a good example that's outside of this right now, but when I think of it I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up. Okay. All right. So now we get into the devil's advocate portion. Okay. So you said that the reason why you have this rule is because it's no longer about strength at this point. It's about the person's abil- it's about the person's mobility and the technique that mm-hmm. they're getting into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about geared powerlifting? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I love this question because I, I lift geared. Wait, we're talking about we're talking about equipped lifting, right? Yes, we're talking okay, about cool. li- equipped lifting. Okay, cool. Because uh, yeah, I, 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 I realize it can mean yeah. it can mean multiple things. I don't in this use context. the term geared for for people that use uh, performance enhancements, but I I know I have to be aware of that now. Yeah. But anyway, so I don't actually like to talk about my equipped numbers. My equipped numbers are pretty good, and uh, I've you know done pretty well in a lot of uh, a lot of meets equipped. However. I feel like it, there is a place for geared lifting. There's a place for raw lifting, and um, or there's there's a use for it. So I think equipped lifting is really really good for overload training. But I do believe that any new lifter should not be doing geared lifting for at least a year, two years, uh, minimum. I see a lot of these collegiate lifters doing geared lifting right away, and they they don't have a base, and they become what they call you know gear horse and i feel sad for them because like as soon as you take that gear away from them because like they may not have the money for it as soon as you take that gear away from them they can't lift anything tell that to the local high school that's making 16 to 17 year olds equipped gear because they think it's safer i have well that's that's not the it's it's usapl's fault you usapl so it, it lobbies 
in order to keep the gear divisions alive, mm-hmm. it lobbies to keep gear in high schools. Mm-hmm. No. Here's why. So USA Powerlifting actually has nothing to do with high school powerlifting. We have a lot of uh, USA Powerlifting lifters. Not as many lifters, to be honest. It's former lifters and APF lifters and uh, USPA lifters, the referees, or just people that just used to lift in high school or people that are around. It's a lot less USA Powerlifting lifters that actually referee high school meets. And it's the coaches that make the rules, which you have a few USA Powerlifting coaches that bring their kids over to USA Powerlifting. Like you have uh, John Magendi and his wife, Kelly. Um, and you have Dwayne Urbina and uh, Skip uh, for Alexandra. So you got you have Lutcher and then you have Alexandra. But to be honest, those are like the only teams that have, that have USAPL influences. Or you influ- influenced by USAPL, and a lot of them go raw. A lot of them go raw uh, in USA Powerlifting. So there were there was actually a rules meeting, uh, the last rules meeting I was ever at for high school, and we wanted to adopt USA Powerlifting rules as they were at the time, and then we could edit them at from from there on. We we like to take me uh, we as in LHSAA or LHSPLA, we like to take the rules. We would like to take the rules of USA Powerlifting and use them. It's just there were some legal concerns, which we actually got the permission of Larry Maley at the time of the meeting to go ahead and use those rules. Uh, but to be honest, there's USA Powerlifting technically has nothing to do with high school. High school decided on their own, we want to go equipped only. We're not going to do raw divisions. But there's a big, big push. We just didn't have enough votes. There's a big, big push to have – um, raw only divisions, if not uh, just raw and no equipped anymore, because uh, then the 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 big thing was the big pushback was if we did raw only and no equipped, then you would have to then take uh take out all the equipment that has been bought by the by these big teams like um like I think Wozman has a big team, but it's a big big equipment. Uh, um, uh, big equipment bag. Um, you have Calvary Baptist. Calvary Baptist does both, though. Uh, you have West Monroe has a big team. You have Alex again has a big team, and you have uh, there's a there's a team down here. What's the name of it? It's not Dutchtown. Denim. Denim. Denim Springs has a big team. Again, they do both, but they have all this gear. That they have, and they're like, they're, 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 it becomes useless for them at that point unless they start doing USA Powerlifting as well. A lot of them just can't afford to do both. They prefer to, to stick with their seasons, especially since USA Powerlifting is so competitive now. Mm-hmm. You do, you want to go with what your, what your advantage is. Well, they're also allowed to use pound plates in, in high school meets. Yes. So it's yes. a lot cheaper for them mm-hmm. to, to do that. Yes. But so, so what I mean by, by lobbying, though. Okay. I don't mean directly having a hand in it. Okay. But let's say USAPL had a rule that said you can't compete in gear unless you're over 18 years old. Like unless you're a legal adult and and can make that decision, then I have a feeling that all of these high school teams would suddenly stop having it because 
there's nowhere for them to go. And I also, but I also know a big reason why the high school teams do it mm-hmm. is because they only have like one lifter per weight class. Mm-hmm. So if they also do gear, they sit, they can double the amount of lifters that they have. Right. But at the end of the day, it's still not a good idea to put a 16 year old in gear. Not unless they've trained since they were 14 as a raw lifter. And then you put them in gear. I, I, I completely agree with you with that. Cause I, I again, I don't like necessarily lifting in gear. Because I, you know, I like doing things by myself, but mm-hmm. I would because you know I like competing. So, but um, even if they did have that two years of experience, started from age fourteen, mm-hmm. I I still don't like the idea of putting a sixteen or seventeen year old in equipped, just because they're just not developed. Like they're just not equipped to handle that kind of stress, and it's, I've seen that across the board with a lot of other sports. They're not just not just powerlifting. It's easy to point out powerlifting. It, but it, when we're talking high school athletes and we're increasing performance, they are so fast to worry about the metrics that that's when, you know, by the time they're 19, they have Tommy John surgery, they have ACL repairs, they have meniscus repairs, they have, you know, spinal repairs. They're beating the shit out of high school athletes across the board, not just powerlifting. No, no, I understand. Yeah. That by the time they're old enough to really take advantage of their maturity, it's too late because they're beat the shit. I view it in the same uh, – in the same uh – with the same lens as a high school baseball coach keeping okay. a good pitcher in the game the entire game for multiple games in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep. Destroying that shoulder, yeah. You have a kid who can throw in the 90s consistently. So for the sake of winning games and potentially getting scout attention for this kid, mm-hmm. they're pitching 90-mile-an-hour fastballs every time for seven, eight games. And then next thing you know, they're 19, 18 years old, and they have right. Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't see Tommy John until you're a 35-year-old MLB pitcher. Okay. That's that's my gripe with the whole thing. It's like you're putting a lot of stress on these high school athletes, and it's just not necessary. We're not letting kids be kids. Yeah. Okay. Um. I understand that, and I definitely see I definitely see your point of that. Like again, if I lived in high school, it's it's a lot of these kids. Well, maybe not say a lot of these kids coaches. Um, it is. It, I have seen a lot of coaches like basically force their kids to do that, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. If a kid doesn't want to do it, it should be to the kids. It should be kids' choice. Sometimes it's the kid and their parent. Their parents like, I really want them to win. I want to get whatever the gear they can. That does happen. And and the kid is like, I want everything. And I'm like, I, I wouldn't fight that child on it. However, I'd have them do USA powerlifting, and then either make uh all lifting. Or you know what, varsity, varsity and junior varsity. You have varsity uh, be they can do equipped, and they have junior varsity that can only do raw. I like that idea because I don't want to take the choice away from the child. No, I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, th- I feel like there's a way to teach them how to do equipped powerlifting. Yes. With, I it, it mean, it's gonna take a strength coach, a powerlifting coach that doesn't have a big ego to see how far he can push these guys. Yes. But I'm sure there's a way to teach them how to use the equipment without blowing things up yes and that's also another big problem is we don't have enough good strength coaches and powerlifting coaches in these schools we have the biggest social studies teacher with a budget yeah the problem is um we've kind of hashed this out before but your good strength coaches are going to go to these private schools and universities that can pay a shit ton of money Mm -hmm. and the public school system at least here has not caught on to the value of a good strength conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of we're behind on that. No, I agree. I agree. Um, there was something I wanted to say to what you just said, but I had to 
<laughs> I had to remember what you just said. I had a brain fart. Oh, we've gone off several tangents. Yes. <laughs> like, a little bit. This is how the show works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what do I want to say? Oh, yes. So uh, there's different levels of equipment as well. Right. So that, that helps. So I don't know if you've ever seen like some of these – uh, some of these early or uh, really small, um, really thin, what do they call them? The bench shirts. The bench shirts. Single ply. Uh, or, no, or they're all single ply. None of them, they can't go over single ply. They're all single ply. Now, Texas is a different story. I think their, I think their squat suits and uh, deadlift suits can be uh, double ply, and they, don't also, they also don't have to go to depth as, as, we, as, we, as we do for USA Powerlifting in high school or uh, LHSA. But um, there are these different suits. Like you have like the Inzer Champion, which is uh, like a all round squat and deadlift suit. That's it, it, it's nowhere near as abrasive. It's a much smaller. It looks like a singlet. It's just tighter. It doesn't give as much. Um, and there's like a fury. There's like fury bench shirts. And these there's these low level shirt uh, suits that people can use or students can use. And a good coach would have that in the repertoire. And usually. Or it's either a good coach or an old coach. And hopefully it's a good old coach. <laughs> but uh, you're not going to see it too much with the newer coaches because either the students bought it themselves or they had a really good budget and they want to get the best equipment right away. You don't want to give a student right away, um, let's say, a super katana. I can still barely use a super katana, and I've been lifting for 10 years. I refuse to use a super katana as, uh, in most cases unless I'm, like, desperate and the suit actually fits right away. But it's – it's been very, very difficult for me to use it. And like I said, I'm, I'm 30 at this point, and I, and I can't use it very well. I can use a katana. My favorite, I think the best shirt or I had be, the best time, it was like a Rajex. And I can lift the same amount of Rajex as I do in a, a katana. But I somehow never able to get my hands on a Rajex. And so I just never never had a chance to, like, compete with a Rajex, like, consistently. But it would be nice. But the, there's, there's suits that people can use. So, like – I would. I wouldn't take to sum it all up for myself. I wouldn't take out equip lifting altogether because again, there's advantages to that. There's overload training. There is there's step by step suits that you can use that before you can get to like the really hardcore suits. And I think the junior varsity no suits varsity suits uh, would be a good idea. And even then, if you if you do a junior var if you do varsity, I think you need to have been in junior varsity for two years. If you just jumped in and you're a junior, you shouldn't use a suit. You have to have been in for two years. You could do varsity, but you should not be in a suit. That's 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 really how I see it. Because I I'm I'm different for a lot of other lifters in USA Powerlifting because I see a lot of them they put their kids in at eight, and I hate that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like uh, the way I learned is like you shouldn't put anybody under you know, under a bar or under, you know, anything other than body weight or maybe like a weighted vest before the age of 14 because you can stunt their growth. You can mess with growth plates. That that turned out to be very bad uh, research, though. Yeah. That research has been debunked a about lot. the idea of stunning well, growth plates. Well, send that, send yeah. that link to me so I can look at it. I'll weight see if training, I can dig it up. Weight training has no effect on growth plates whatsoever. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Well, but – you have but, to have good teaching. Yes, that doesn't that doesn't mean it's a good idea to put a child in it. Yeah. I wouldn't still because like, like if you put it, if you put a fifteen pound barbell on Jibrael's back, and he he wouldn't be able to keep his tension in the hips when he squatted or right. anything like that. He would just like they're they're, they're too loose with everything. Right. Yeah. Right. They're 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 much He's better four, by the way. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Like they're like they. 
they don't have the kinesthetic awareness yet of where their body is in space, which like that's like you have him doing like gymnastics and mm-hmm. almost like Ninja Warrior type. Yeah, it's, right it's now. Ninja Warrior yeah. for it. And, and sometimes that's, he loves it, sometimes he doesn't. But he, I think he, he doesn't. When I when I I think he has a little bit more kinesthetic um, awareness than most kids his age. Mm-hmm. It's just whether he wants to use it or not. Like say for instance, he and I are wrestling. Or if he's like climbing all over me, he knows how to use his his strength and use and to position his body and his flexibility to get himself like up on my back. Or say for instance, he knows I'm trying to like hold his arms in place. He knows to use his legs and like flip. He's a good wrestler. He's that's a very because, good wrestler. That's because yeah. he has a dad who does all that and he can emulate and learn from you. There are Some a lot of, of kids out there himself, who don't have that. Yeah. Some of the stuff he just figured out by himself though, which is yeah. crazy. You'd be surprised how much he yeah. picks up from you though. Like but he, some of the like, I've done like some of the stuff is like advanced stuff. I've just I can't show them. And get yeah. get and give it a couple of years. You're gonna turn your back, and I'm gonna have him like hey, up small we're gonna stone. we're gonna <laughs> find yeah yeah we're gonna find you in the gym floor. Yep. And you're gonna pop you in a chokehold, yeah. and you're just blacking out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd be I'd wake up and I'd be so proud that day. I spank him later, but I'd be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> he just choked you out. What you gonna do? <laughs> Lock my doors. <laughs> <laughs> Protect myself. Call, like call that. CPS he's on your own like son. He's going scene in The Shining yes. with Shelly Duvall hiding in the bathroom with a knife. <laughs> You're going to be on the phone with CPS. Come get my kid. Come get my kid. Why? He's too goddamn dangerous. Come get my kid. <laughs> Here's your brain. It's like, no, that's when I start having to do my training. Uh-huh. I will not let him go on. Yeah, you can't, you can't afford to take a, week off, uh, take a month off anymore. No, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I, I need to make sure I'm always training now. And I keep my flexibility up, too. Mm. Oh, when, uh, when it comes to kids, like I've I've heard parents say, like, no, I want to get my kid involved in weight training, mm-hmm. you know, because they're playing football. I want to get him strong. And like, well, how old is he? Thirteen. Well, I mean, why don't you do stuff like push up, body weight squats? Yeah. If you want him to move something heavy, especially load if he's up a like three hundred pounds. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's like you don't need weights. He needs to learn how to use his body first. Yeah. Because yeah. you make him dangerous. If he learns how to use his body first. If yeah. anything, I would have him do something like push a sled. Like, it's yeah. really hard to hurt yourself on a slip, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. hard and heavy, so that way you get that satisfaction of, hey, get them to do something heavy. Right. Or right. how about the ones that will hire a strength coach for their 12-year-old to get them stronger, but then hire somebody else to mow their grass? Yeah. <laughs> like, just make that, a kid get out there and push a lawnmower. Yeah, pretty much. Go push a lawnmower. <laughs> that hurts <laughs> my heart. I remember, I remember doing chores, especially after Katrina. So, it was the first time I actually, like, witnessed – well, to me, it was muscle development at the time. I knew I didn't. I wasn't educated. I didn't know it was just a, uh, a just a spasm from using my muscles too much. But um, it was it was like the day after Katrina. I was at my great aunt's house, and she has a ton of land, and so she told us to go out and rake all her leaves and put them in a dumpster in the back. The dumpster was like an acre away, and it was uh, you know it was at like chest level. So I fill a trash can up of all the leaves that we had, we collected, and I do this 15, 20 times over, and I'd, I'd feel my muscles pump up. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting stronger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, if she hired someone, that'd be a lot of – because that's, that's like one of the sparks that, that made me feel like, yeah, I like, I like exercising. This is, this is nice. This, this feels nice. If she didn't have me do that, that kind of – you know, it wasn't just me. It was actually a lot of us. So it wasn't like really child labor like that. Because <laughs> there was like ten of us, but I was I was the only one lifting the um the trash can up. And Bossy back there by himself clearing like ten acres of land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nah, 
Come down the other side, just absolutely jacked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used to do some crazy training though with my chores. So when uh, it, it was, this was, I might have told this story to y'all before, but it was my first summer after wrestling. So uh, before I started wrestling, I was like 250, maybe even 260 pounds, about as heavy as I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the end of my first year of wrestling, I got to 200. Well, I didn't want to stop training. So what I did was every week, uh, at least once a week, I'd go cut, I cut the grass and I try to see how fast I can cut the grass without, you know, stopping, right? I had the front, front yard, backyard, right? And we have a pretty big yard. So then after I got used to that and I was like, I need to figure out how to make this harder. So I got a weight vest, put the weight vest on about 40 pound weight vest, gold's gym weight vest, ordinary weight vest. And I cut the grass with that. Damn near died the first couple times. <laughs> but then I got used to it. So then I had this dumbbell the dumbbell on then it had another dumbbell but put it in the end i had about 40 pounds on my back and i'm cutting the grass and sweltering louisiana heat and i'm, I'm killing it and then i i'd have these like calf spasms because because like they just they were trying to like really keep up with like how much training i was doing but by the time i finished my body was completely different like you can see the change between when i was even by the end of my wrestling training not even not even from like the beginning before I even started, but from the end of my wrestling training to the year I came, the time I came back the following year, I was burning track our uh, track stars with my weight vest on. Mm-hmm. I dropped the weight vest and disappeared like Rock Lee. And sometimes I wish I would go back to that training, but I don't have the time for it. So <laughs> essentially, you were doing turtle hermit training. Yes, mm-hmm. I was because after that, <laughs> I started walking around the school with my book sack, which was fifty pounds. I stopped using my locker because I was always late to class. So I had a fifty pound book sack, and I had the weight vest. I wore the weight vest to school, uh, by the way. So I wore the weight vest around it until I wore it out. It was. I used to know a linebacker yeah. who did that. He was pretty damn good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and we had three stories uh, at the school. It was like, and what was it? English was on the third floor. So I had to walk to the third mm-hmm. floor. Then I had to go to like the, the, the music building. And if you ever been to Baton Rouge uh, campus, it's huge. It's huge, and they have all this area that you have to walk across. And this was before they connected all the buildings, so you can just walk across the whole rim. So I had to go downstairs three stories, then walk across past the gym all the way to the tech building, then walk back, go to the second floor, and then do this all day. For all they, five of my classes, they, I'm just picturing people going, "Look at this nerd wearing weight vest," but like very quietly. But <laughs> <Yeah, they, laughs> they were too scared to say anything. I own that weight room, yeah, even I though I was a nerd. I own that weight room. So even messed it up, they'd be like, "Nah, you should, you should put those weights back." Oh, yeah, sure. Problem. <laughs> so, so you know, me and my girlfriend been, you know, watching the Dragon Ball saga. Yes. We started at the beginning of Dragon Ball. We just made As it to the Saiyan saga. Okay. okay. Like, like. Like Goku's on Snake Way right mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. but I'm just like hearing that story. I just keep picturing just Tien. Hey Goku, can I see that shirt? <laughs> from, <laughs> from, what from, is this? From when uh, from when they fought at the World Martial Arts Tournament for the mm-hmm. last time. <laughs> oh man, Tien realized he fucked up. I am waiting for the day I can get ordinary looking clothes that will actually last. That will weigh just about as much as those clothes. I would buy them in a heartbeat and start mm-hmm. training with them. Well, they make a weight vest now that is low profile. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically just covers your upper chest and your upper back. I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. And yeah. you can you can load it up to like 50 pounds. Just get one that looks like padded muscles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's like, what is all this muscle? And you're like, nah, this is the fake muscle. And you take it off. I'm like, oh, my Lord. So that's something that I've always thought they should do for, like, cops instead of just the regular flak jacket. Like, put fake abs and pecs on them. Yeah. So when they put their shirts on, they just look like just Superman. Yes. Yeah, so it's like, I'm not running from this guy. I'm not running from this guy. Because yep. he will beat me up. He's probably going to beat you anyway. But <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like Ronnie Coleman Stop used to resisting. Be. Stop resisting. Yeah, Ronnie Coleman used to be a cop. Could you imagine being pulled over and you look up and it's like 320 pounds of but yeah, mass? Yeah, like, but he sweated shit. the whole time. You know you can run away from Ronnie Coleman. Ronnie Coleman was probably not a fast guy at Okay. All. Well, you know what? I'm not going to change Shaq was a reserve sheriff's deputy. <laughs> I did see that. Now, Shaq could get you. Yep. Shaq's got just stride. He uh, he told a story one time in an interview about how he was doing one of his ride-alongs, you know, because you can't be a reserve sheriff's deputy and go out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, But... uh. He was doing um, he was doing a ride along, and the dude took off, and Shaq took off after him. He said the dude looked behind him, realized Shaq was chasing him, and just stopped. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like, no, you know what? Quit. Yeah, not 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 today. I'm not going to get caught by Shaq. Hey, one, now, he's huge, and he's a world class athlete. Yes. So screw that. No, nah, it's, nah, it's, it's not happening. That kind of reminds me of, like one of the training uh, sessions I did when I was when I was like really young, in you know same summer. I used to chase my little sister's dog around. Her name is Lady, and she used to be really fast. Well, she, she was really, really fast. And so it was hard to chase her because she'd cut really fast. Mm-hmm. And not so not only could she, like, burn you, she'd cut really fast so you can't, can't get her. Well, eventually, I just started letting her out in the front yard. Or I didn't let her out, but, like, every once in a while, she'd get out. And so I'd go and run and catch her. And it'd take me a while sometimes, but I'd eventually catch her. Eventually, she saw that I was so fast that she couldn't cut away from me without me catching her on the side or something like that. So she just started cringing up. It's like, <laughs> okay, I quit. I quit. Just take me inside. Take me inside. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want any problems. I just wanted some fresh air. Take me inside. That was, uh, that's what the Shaq thing kind of reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually met Shaq in person once or twice and uh, while I was still working for LSU. And for LSU, we had some big guys. We had some really big guys. And I thought I knew what big guys looked like until I met Shaq. I was like, holy shit, you are really big. Yeah, he's a big one. He would make our biggest offensive linemen look like children. He probably could have walked on to LSU as a football player. He had a scholarship offer. And gone to the NFL. He actually was – I think he was offered a scholarship to play football at LSU, but he opted to play basketball instead, Mm -hmm. which, you know, worked worked out out for him. him. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'd say say it was a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Three, what, three or four-time NBA champion – Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's all right. He's all right. He's, he's he did okay. Does he live in Louisiana now? Yeah. Mm. I know he's here a lot. He just visits a lot. He might have a home here. Yeah. I don't think he, like, stays in it. I mean, he has multiple houses. I mean, he, like, I don't think, I don't know if you guys realize how much money he's actually worth. Oh, I'm like, sure. he owns multiple companies. Like, he is a diversified as multi, multi-millionaire. I don't know, multiple companies. Yeah, like, he, yeah, that'd be nice. um, I think he has Start stock in like just to own multiple companies. Yeah. Like all the major companies that exist right now, Shaq has stock equity in. Oh, yeah. and he also owns Papa John's now, doesn't he? Yeah. When's he gonna turn into Papa Shaq? That'd be nice. Which which one was it? There was one company that he So had. Shaq said, Oh, Papa John said the N word. Okay, I got him. <laughs> and he just bought it. And, and he just, just bought, bought Papa John's. It, it's mine now. He just bought it. But that's just business. Like yeah. he just buys other businesses. As and you he should. just makes a, a shit ton yeah, of money. The, it's probably t- it probably costs less uh in the grand scheme of things to just buy it out straight instead of, you know, making a new company over and over again. Mm-hmm. Why compete when you can just buy them? 
Yeah, like they he, make your money back. Like, people talk about generational wealth. He's surpassed that by far. Like, he has an incredible amount of money. You think, you think he's over wealthy yet? Huh? You think he's Oprah wealthy yet? No. Mm. No. Hey, he, he's it, a little bit behind the ball. There's a reason why it's called Oprah wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have his own channel yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yet. He'll get there. He'll get there. He's got some time. He's only, what, like 10 years younger than she is? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. I, can't I don't tell know Oprah's life like that. Yeah, I can't tell how old Oprah is. I never, I never knew. I just knew she was like at least in her forties when I was young. That, that, and Shaq's not a shapeshifter. You know, Oprah's a reptilian shapeshifter, and everybody mm-hmm. knows it. Yeah, everybody well, knows it. Yeah. Cool story about Shaq is whenever he would make deals with his agents on different, co- well, he would make deals with, involving contracts. Mm-hmm. People, like lawyers and stuff, would look at his agent, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, 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 you're talking to me. I went to school for this. I know how to like. Right, he right. he knows how to write. Like he's a very smart person. Mm-hmm. I like like he didn't that. just dribble a ball. Like this this guy is yeah. super yeah. smart. He can do legal contracts. So he's like, he's fucking dangerous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to piss him off in the middle of that conversation. They know you look at me. Yeah. Can you imagine you're talking to his agent and he says, uh, "Excuse me, mm-hmm. Hold you're talking push to me." Back and put a whole hand that covers his entire yeah. body. He just covers him. <laughs> I am the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw a preview of a movie recently, and it was it was a it was a Filipino woman doing that doing that scene because she was I forgot the name of the movie, but basically she was like. She cleaned. She cleaned the kitchens, and I think she might have cooked too. She she cleaned the kitchens and cooked for this cruise ship. Cruise ship crashes, and then now everybody's depending on her to make the food. It's too. under siege three. <laughs> 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 she gets everybody to make the food. It's on the island, and um, they're like, "Why do you get more food?" It's like two of them. It's like some of the really rich ones uh, that are like always used to being like one. Of, one of them was a captain. One of them was like one of the. Um, liaisons that just talks to the really higher up uh vips and stuff like that yeah and so she's like why you get beer food she's like well i made the fire she's like well we collected the wood she's like yeah but you can't catch the food you can't prepare the food you can't actually make it edible and you can't make a fire so you depend on me for all these things so they're like but i'm the captain you just you just clean toilets and stuff like that and she's like oh really and then she had the food set out for her, and she looked at she looked at him she's like who's the captain and she's like oh you're the captain and they started throwing food she's like yes yeah who, who am i i'm the captain now yep. like, yeah that's good nice I like that the people who can do are the ones that are actually in charge mm-hmm. and that is why everybody should be developing their warlord potential skills exactly. i agree because exactly. everything's about to go bad everything yeah. probably yeah yeah go like gonna have to learn something that everybody's yeah. depending on you for Start a guillotine manufacturing company. That'll be my <laughs> next company, man, making guillotines. Just executioner. Yep. It's like, oh, you need one of these guillotines to, you know, punish the people that aren't listening to you? Got it. Yep. Pay me in food and other precious metals. Uh, other precious metals. In uh, <laughs> precious metals. Nice. All right, so one thing we haven't talked about at all is this meet that is coming up. Oh, yes. 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 So yes. February 11th, we have the Capital City Classic. Uh, what can some of the lifters expect that day? All right. We are going to have – so far, we're, we're going to have one platform. Uh, I think we're going to stick with one platform. Uh, we still got room for, uh, for you to enter into the meet. Uh, come in. I think, I think we're starting weigh-ins, and equipment check is going to be at 8. Uh, lifting starts at 10, if I remember that right. It's, it's, either, it's either 8 and 10 
or nine and eleven. Whatever whatever the first hour is, it's always gonna be two hours after that when the lifting starts. Okay. Okay, you you have a we have a big, big area for you to warm up in. It's gonna be a really nice setup. I think you're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna be able to take pictures afterwards, we're gonna be great music, uh, gonna have great food. Uh, you're gonna be able to meet, meet a lot of uh, nice people, meet a lot of awesome people, we're gonna have great spies and loaders. Um, more importantly though, you're going to be able to look at this gym and you're, uh, locally and you're like, okay, this is going to be the place that you want to come over. Atlas Strength Shop is a really uh, great spot to come train at. Um, you'll get a chance to speak to Cameron over here for uh, uh, for just, you know, when to come train or uh, just, just a chance to come visit the gym and uh, lift. You know, it, it's going to be a fun time. It, you know, it's, it's good to explore, like, your community. Uh, especially when it's a privately owned gym, because it's it's a lot more homely. You you can tell that the that Cameron cares about his uh that you care you care about. I say it's like I'm talking to someone else. Mm-hmm. That you care <laughs> you care about you care about your clients because I was gone for a month, not on purpose. I was supposed to be here, and you you, you constantly checked up on me. It's like, hey, you okay? Everything's all right. It's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just <laughs> didn't expect these these uh events to take up so much of my time man you know it's it's great it feels it feels like you actually you know you care you know i like that i'm doing my yeah. best you do you're doing you're doing very well yeah, i'm at I'm least I'm, I'm at least feigning my humanity because i am also a reptilian shapeshifter <laughs> well, there you go there you go so, so far i like this reptile so far but um yeah so it's you know, you, you got your squat bench deadlift. We, we're going to have some great awards coming in. We got some great shorts, shirts we're going to be designing for you guys. Um, you know, it's it's going to be everything you should be expecting to meet and a little bit more. You know, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So get in there. Sign up for the meet. Um, right now it's capped at 100, but we might drop the cap depending on how it looks by the time of the deadline. I think the deadline right now is set for the 11th. Of January? Of January. So these athletes have 10 more days. 10 more days. Get it in. I would um, – we might want to schedule an email to go out. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to do an email, and I'm doing the email today, and I'm also sending uh, – posting on Facebook and Instagram soon. Uh, with that, I'm going to send an email to all the lifters that have already uh, entered into the meet as well as just anybody that's potentially wants to get in there. Yeah. Okay. All right, so one more thing that I wanted to make sure that we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Today is January 1st. and mm-hmm. Happy New Year. Yeah, we, we all know what that means. There's going to be a lot of New Year's resolutioners who are looking for a gym for the first time in a while or for maybe for the first time ever. So what are some things that you think that people need to look for when they are looking for a gym and its culture? Uh, I think one of the first things you need to assess is what you're trying to do and what your goals are. Um, they need to be sort of honest with your expectations, what you can accomplish, and try to find a place that is suited for your needs. Because um, not every place is going to fit everybody's needs. Yeah, like so just, like straight up, we're not we're not geared towards like adventure race people. Right, right. Not yet. You know, I mean, like for us, you can do some parkour. Yeah. <laughs> like for us, if you want to be strong and move heavy things, um, this is the place to be. But if you want to run a 10k. This is probably not the place to be. We it's actually do have something. one ultra marathon runner, though. Really? Yes, Umer. He does. Ultra oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. He does. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. He started off. He started off as a powerlifter. Yeah, yeah. Well, well so he, he did soccer first. Yeah, he, he started off as powerlifter. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's grandfathered in. 
Yeah, yeah. Grandfather them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a good place to do mobility training too, because I do that as well. We have like a nice little open space. Um, we should start doing classes like yoga classes or something like that. Well, uh, we tried that one time. <laughs> we tried yoga classes once. What happened? I wasn't here for that one. Oh, you weren't? Okay, no, so let's here. talk about that off, uh, yeah, off we're gonna, the air. That, that's okay. going to be some off air it, uh, conversation. It, it involves somebody that we did not met, we did not name earlier. Got it. Got yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that is definitely something that I that I'd like to do over the next year. As I like, what, so we try to get like a little strength camp class thing going, mm-hmm. and you know, due to to extreme disinterest mm-hmm. kind of it didn't work yeah um i think right now the the main push is i would like for us to as far as like event type things mm-hmm. maybe once a month do like a yoga thing mm-hmm. maybe we start getting more into seminars yeah i uh, think seminars maybe. is a good idea especially what we're going to have a lot of younger people in the area yeah. that want to get involved in lifting i need to get back on that yeah yeah, yeah. And you're you're extremely knowledgeable about the basic lifts, mm-hmm. so I think that's something that you would do well in for sure. And you have the pedigree to back it up. Yes. Yeah. And okay. I think getting people from like out of state to to come in and visit and doing those kind of things too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I actually have to remember to do this. Um, uh, Mike Isratel actually told me to email him. Okay. Because he's going around and doing seminars right now. Perfect. So, um. I think that that bringing in some of uh, I don't want to say name recognition because mm-hmm. but bringing in people who have been who have been in the game for twenty years and know mm-hmm. and know what's up right can, can attract a lot of people and bring a lot of knowledge to the community. I think that'll help a lot. I also I've noticed there are a lot of gyms in the state that host workshops. Mm-hmm. So like um, like for example, the company Strong First, Pavel Satsulin's company, he goes in and he does workshops where other coaches in the area come take that workshop mm-hmm. and leave with certifications. And those kind of places are always looking for gyms to, to host that. And I really think we're the perfect kind of gym for that. Hell, we can even set up a classroom here. Mm-hmm. Like we we could. have that room right across the hall. We could easily set up like a classroom. We have the whiteboard. It would be no problem to put a few chairs in there. Yep. All right. Um, so I'd like, I'd like to do more seminars. I'd like to, to host workshops here. Uh, I want to get to the point where we're hosting more competitions. Right now, we have two strongman competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got one USAPL meet. Mm-hmm. I would like to eventually also host uh, a arm wrestling tournament. Okay, yep. that's something that I think would be a good idea for us I to think invest in. Right now, they'd like to do that. Well, like they've got a local community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't have our own table. I think if we had if we invested in our own table, we'd get a lot more of that community that called us home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to host a Olympic weightlifting meet. Okay. I think the Olympic weightlifting meet right now is probably going to be the harder one to break into. I agree. Because uh, there, aren't enough, there aren't enough lifters. There aren't that many here. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I think that down the road those would be good ideas to do. Also, a guy named Chip Conrad, he wants us to start hosting an event called Nerds of Iron. I'm really excited to see that happen. Yes. Uh, Nerds of Iron, it's a very low barrier of entry strongman competition where, if I remember right, he doesn't do it based on weight classes. There's like a point, there's like a formula that he uses, and the events are really weird. It's stuff like uh, old school lifts like the two hands anyhow, where like you have a barbell and a kettlebell in front of you, and however you can get both of them overhead, get both of them overhead. Uh, so things like that. Uh, I think that would be a good idea to try to do, but I want to definitely do, and I want to do more community outreach. Like, um, 
I'm supposed to email uh, the manager for a beat-up brewery later this week because they have events going on like kegs and kettlebells that hmm. they do with like a local CrossFit gym there. I let one of their bartender, I let the bartender know that was in charge the other day that we have keg all the way up to 400 pounds here, right. and they're very excited to hear from us. Um, I also want to get to the point where we are not only hosting competitions here. Mm-hmm. But we're getting out of this building and into bigger venues. I yep. want a Louisiana Strength Expo where we just do everything under one event. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We can do it right at the uh, the was the Smoothie King Center. That'd yeah. be great. Um, the Smoothie King Center? Mm-hmm. In New Orleans? Oh, Sorry, not the Smoothie King Center. The mean, Kane Center. Yeah. Oh, that's, the River that's Center. That's what I was yeah. thinking. River Center. The River yes. Center. Um, yes. Renner, River Center, Crown Plaza would be a good one. They've got good spaces for that. Um I was also looking at the Abita Brewery. Mm-hmm. They have a huge field. Really? Yes. Like um, like right in front of the brewery. It's like a fenced-off area. Hmm. I think doing Louisiana Strongest Man and uh, partnering with them, mm-hmm. maybe down the road, would be far more – it would be much better for the strongman community as a whole than hosting every single event here at Atlas. Well, the goal was always to eventually – Host yes. venues externally. Yes, because while it's a lot fewer moving parts host things here at Atlas, that worked great when we had like forty members. Right. We're about to. We're knocking on the door of a hundred right now. And we're going to have a hundred and twenty by the end of the year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like easily a hundred and twenty with the rate we've been growing, we might hit one fifty. No, I, I agree. That eventually so. the best thing to do. Well, it's not just for Atlas, but also like. The goal of continuing to grow the sport yes. in Louisiana, I think it's best to have it eventually in a venue, mm-hmm. which would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we could talk to Matt Bruce about it, find out how to do get away into breaking into USA, well, what is it, Olympic lifting? Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't necessarily have to be involved ourselves. We just need to offer a venue for yep. them to – Yeah, and that should – that give us more people. He's just so busy with Catholic right now. Yeah, yeah your head but you might know somebody things. else as well mm-hmm. that's still that's still in the uh, Olympic lifting, yep. and then well, there's red stick on um on government. Yep. Yeah. You I was, do I was know the other day. Gail Hatch is still in the game, isn't he? No. He's Gail, not. Gail Hatch is retired. He has dementia. Yeah, Damn. I was about to say, oh, he's out. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know. I'll tell you later. Yep. There's a there's a letter I got from him a while back. All right. So um. That's really all I wanted to cover today. Anybody else got anything else they want to add? I want to talk about this weather and what I saw last night. I saw oh, things. Yeah. I saw so many things driving last night. So if you don't know, I do. I drive for Lyft. And uh, okay, so it was a, it was a, it was a wild night. Uh, initially, it was just me and my ride singing together. It was great, you know, Happy New Year stuff like that. And then this crazy fog rolls in, like. Mm-hmm. As dense as the mist from the like, you've ever seen the movie The Mist? It's mm-hmm. just that dense. I we had to like me and the guy next to me, like in another car, we had to stop because we were afraid to like go in because we thought you know there's half a chance there's monsters in there because it was it just rolled in really fast. So I actually had to drive from Little John on Florida all the way down to like Denham Springs to pick yeah. someone up. Yeah, it was. It was so scary. Like I'm every dr- time, it took me at least thirty to forty-five minutes to drive down. It's like a nine-mile drive. That's how slow we were going. Okay, so it's very, very scary. Uh, on top of that, um, for some reason, it was it was not 
it was not like there was no fog around bridges, but like at least at least not on the bridge, but around the bridge. So you couldn't see anything outside the bridge, but you can only you can see like very well in the bridge. Um, lots of crashes. Some people just hit each other like right away, right after the fog rolled in because it came in so fast. A lot of people in a lot of people in ditches. Like uh, like you said before, some one of our members uh, ran to a ditch, but fortunately they weren't hurt. So thank God for that. Um, but the last thing I saw uh, that I didn't tell y'all yet is I saw a dead body um, on the road hmm. yesterday. It oh my was, God! Yeah, some guy just in the middle of the road, just laid out blood everywhere it was on um it was between the exits it was between the dalrymple and perkins exit or between the perkins and the south acadian exit mm-hmm. uh heading eastbound must have yeah. got hit by a car a pedestrian yes or yeah. like motorcycle accident yeah no no it was a car it was a car it was one of those it was a small car too it was like uh one of those little fits little fit car i, I forgot who makes it but it, i know them yeah not important yeah not important but he was just laid out, shirt was off, he was wearing khaki pants. So my theory is that he was so drunk, he got kicked out of another ride that he was in and decided to walk the rest of the way, or he had to. Uh, and he decided to walk in the middle of the street, and with all the fog, they didn't see him. And he gets hit with somebody going like 60, 70 miles an hour. Probably kills him instantly. I don't really think so because where the blood was on him didn't look like it came from that area. It looked like he had like tried to wipe it off and just yeah, I think he suffered. Mm. He was yeah, it was bad. So what was strange about this cuz like now I know cuz this is the second dead body I've seen. Now I know like how how they handle things. So like when when the cops roll back, you just see like the cops and the ambulances. Well, they were standing like 10 feet away from him and not not, to, not interacting with it at all. So I was like, okay, that's how you know it's a dead body. Well, I passed by this dead body five times before they actually started even standing near it because it, 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 this was a, over a period so it was like I saw it maybe about 1.45 so by about 4 a.m. it was still there. They were probably conducting an investigation. True. They were probably conducting an investigation but like almost four hours when you don't even touch the body you didn't even no one, no one even made the effort to cover it Nothing. I was just like, and like this might be just the procedure. I have no idea, but I was like, that's out there. So I like all the rides I had. I had about four or five rides. All of them got to see it. It was it was, it was wild, you know. Um, or maybe it was still so foggy they figured it's too dangerous to move them. It. They were on the. They had the. Two, they had two lanes blocked off because it was the it was the right two lanes blocked off. So they could have moved him, but I can understand them still conducting like an investigation. Uh, so I I have no idea. I don't know, but I I just want to say what? what I saw last night because it was it was freaky. They might have had a reason to think it wasn't an accident. They might have saw something like this sure. wasn't. It could have been the person that got them out because I didn't see anybody in the car. Uh, I don't think they'd like stick around, but it, I, I'm pretty sure I was there within the the hour of him being hit because it was like right after the cops mm. rolled up because it was none of the blood was dried, but I guess it wouldn't be dry because of the. The fog, which it was so wet last yeah. night. Yeah, it's still it's very wet. Still wet. Yeah, it's yeah, and it's still like when we came here, it was still kind of foggy in some yep. spots. And it, it was, was it's yeah. so damp outside. It is, yeah. But yeah, like because it was literally the the thickest the thickest fog I've ever seen hit mm-hmm. right at midnight after yeah. everybody had been popping fireworks. Mm-hmm. To me, it was like twelve forty-five. Yeah. 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 Oh no, it was right. No, at no, midnight. for me. No, I'm saying for oh, me, it's like because I because I, yeah. I went home for a second at twelve. You know, kiss my fiance, and then all right, I'm back out. Yeah, yeah. But because the fog looked smoky, 
yeah, so it was just everything it, yeah. was just mixed together in you the perfect smell storm. It, it was all in there, yeah. Like that, it was e- it was easily the worst visibility I have ever driven in in my entire life. Yes. Like we're going five miles an hour through a neighborhood because we can't actually tell where the road is curving. Right. Um. One point we had to pull over. My girlfriend wanted to like get out because we. So we pulled over because it was clear. It was doing that thing where it was clear and then nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And right when it was nothing. We saw somebody with their hazard lights on right mm-hmm. in front of us, mm-hmm. but because of the way the fog was hitting it, it looked like headlights. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it I looked like a car coming directly towards oh, us. That's scary. It, that's... It, it freaked her out, so we pulled over. Then she wanted to get out and check on her daughter. I had to keep her in the vehicle because you know she wanted Anybody to go. Could zoom yeah, yeah, she wanted to come around to the other side. I'm like, you can see her from right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to. We, we we got we got home. Then I had to leave, so She's I had small, to get back on the road. Yeah. Like, and. But, like just driving home, you could you would hear it was you heard nothing but sirens. I heard a couple of crashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seemed like a horror movie almost. Yes, just it, driving. It was around. for a lot of people. Yeah. The it only time that I have ever seen fog this bad was I was in high school. We're on our way home from a football game, um, and if you know anything about sugarcane agriculture, is they burn. After they harvest, mm-hmm. they burn the fields. So now, you're not supposed to do this at night, and here's why. Um, it's fall. The fog rolls in that night, mixes in with the smoke. The next morning, my dad is on the way to Tibetal to go to work, and the, the fog mixed in with the sugarcane fire smoke is so dense, he doesn't see the truck that he slams into. Yeah, so it's essentially the same exact scenario as last night. Yep, yeah. there was a multi-car pileup. And across the bayou, uh, a man by the name of Johnny, I'm not going to say his last name, was killed in that car accident. And he now haunts those bayous to this day. No, but the the ironic part is apparently he was working on a solution to not have to burn sugarcane for that reason. Wow. And he was killed in an accident. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Because he worked in the sugarcane industry. And apparently he was trying to work on some way to not need to not have to rely on burning anymore. I, I need to ask. Killing that accident. Was your, was your dad okay? Is he, what he was busted up. Uh, concussion, two black eyes, busted to shit. I woke up the next morning and I walk into my parents' room and I look at him and it's like, what the Wait, he didn't go to the hospital? Wait, wait, he went to the hospital. Oh, okay. You just didn't, they didn't wake you up to go to the hospital? Well, I had a game the night before in South oh. Lafourche. Okay. So I didn't get home till late, so I didn't wake up till almost noon. Got it, got it. So, so by the time I woke up, a lot of, a lot of stuff had already happened. Okay, okay, makes sense. Um, no, but they sued, they sued whatever farm company for so much money. Gotcha. I think they went under. Wow. Yeah, it's gonna be more than just your dad suing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Y'all sued. But yeah, he he hit he hit the back of that truck. And the funny part of that story is, though he he hit another accident, like there was an accident, he oh. didn't see it and he smashed right into it, and there was already an officer working the accident on the scene, so he comes to my dad to check on him, and he says, "How about you go sit in the back of your car?" And he's like, "How about I go sit in the ditch?" Mm-hmm. The officer yeah, wanted him to sit on the back bumper of his car. It's like, do you not see what just happened here? Mm-hmm. He's like, "I'm concussed, and I know that I shouldn't be doing that." <laughs> Yep. You need to be smarter, smarter officer. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we just hit the hour mark. Y'all ready to take this thing in for a landing? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, there's nothing like ending the podcast on a couple of bad stories. Yeah, I mean, right? doing a good story and some good news. <laughs> yep. 
So so check out so if you're looking to compete, check out uh, Lifting Cast for the uh, I guess this would be the second annual Capital City Classic. Mm-hmm. Or if your strongman is more of your thing, we have the second Louisiana Strongest Man on Iron Podium. So definitely check those out. And until next time, we will see you. See you. Just a quick recap of the sponsors. We have StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use promo code ATLASSTRENGTH at checkout. Save 20% on your next order of caffeine. Next up, we have Impact Mouth Guards. Use promo code ATLASSTRENGTH at checkout. Save 10% on your custom mouth guards. Next, we have Sticks and Stone. Go follow them on all social media. They have a really awesome YouTube channel. And finally, there is the Atlas Strength Shop. That is us. Follow us at the Atlas Strength Shop at all platforms. We just recently started putting a lot of things on YouTube, including this show, if you want to see a video version of this show. Last but not least, don't forget to like and subscribe and share us with all of your friends. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. See you all next time.